Time for a little Bible study. I want you to be turning to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews and chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and start there in verse 5. In verse 5. He says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. A body hast thou prepared me. And he prepared a body because there was something that needed to be done. A body hast thou prepared me because you're going to take our sins in his own body upon the tree and give his life for us. So there had to be a body prepared and there had to be a person that would commit that body to the Lord to be offered. Now you and I might think, well, I don't have anything to give to the Lord. I don't have any talent. I, I can't do this and that and the other. Yeah. And maybe you don't have a lot of money. Not maybe a lot of prestige. You say, well, all I've got is this old body of mine. Well, I think if he got that, he would be satisfied. Just yield your body to the service of the Lord. Now, the title, I come to do thy will, O God. But notice what he says here in verse 5. Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Because of the sacrifices of the bulls and goats and so forth, uh, God was never satisfied with those, otherwise you could have accepted them. They've just appeased his anger until Jesus came and made the payment for the sins of the world. So we see in verse 7, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, and here's the reason why. You ought to underline this in your Bible. To do thy will, O God. Then you'll notice down there also in verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And then in verse 10, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Aren't you and I glad that Jesus came to do the Father's will? Because if he hadn't, there wouldn't have been a body prepared. There would have been no sacrifice made for the sins of the world. Now, there's three little things that are mentioned here, the small letter A, because we know that Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. And in your notes there, at the beginning of his ministry, in the midst of his ministry, and at the end of his ministry. I've known a lot of people who start off wanting to serve the Lord like a rocket, and they fizzle out just as fast and then they don't serve the Lord for the rest of their life. It's better to um, progress slowly, here a little, there a little. Let your dedication and your service to the Lord be according to the knowledge that you gain little by little, and grow not so fast, little by little. And you'd be surprised how that God will bless you down the road, and you can be a person in for the long haul. Don't you want to serve the Lord all the days of your life? I believe that should be the, the goal. So take your Bible and look in John chapter 6 and verse 38. The Gospel of John and chapter 6. Sometimes it's good to see what was the motive of Jesus Christ. Why, why did he do what he did? And um, 
chapter 6 and verse 38. John chapter 6, verse 38. We often quote verse 37 and 39. But we sometimes we leave out that one verse because of, well, what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to let a lost man know that if you trust Christ as your Savior, he'll never cast you out. And then we want him to know in verse 39 that he'll never lose you. But now notice in verse 38, but I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. In verse 36, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, the will of him that sent me, when he says I will not cast you out because that's the Father's will. And I'll never lose you because that's the Father's will. That's why he said in verse 39, this is the Father's will. So a lot of things you can't do in life unless you know the will of the Father. Uh, we're His children, and He is our Father. So it's only natural for us as His children to learn what our Father wants us to know and what He wants us to do. Turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, I just want to show you this verse in here. Uh, this is just an insert. You ever do an insert? In chapter 5, look in verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1, he says, this is in page, on page 1254, where he says in verse 1, Be therefore followers of God. That means imitators of God as dear children. Now, sometimes I used to get a little on the burnt side when I go into some homes, and I would see that the teenagers in their room, and even little kids, had pictures all over the wall of these acid rock bands, and these guys with the, the long hair and the earrings and all that stuff, you know, and a bunch of dope addicts in Christian homes, and, you know, and they got that stuff all over the walls for their kids to think about. I just felt uneasy about that. That's just the thing. That's not the best thing. And so, and then people have Hollywood stars as their heroes. Is there anything wrong with having, like, the Apostle Paul as my hero, or, you know, Peter, or... John, what's wrong with wanting to be like some of these guys? These are the real heroes. These are the ones that really are fighting the battle. These guys were stronger and better than a Mike Tyson or a Cassius Clay. These people are fighting the real battle. I mean, they're taking on the devil. They're taking on the world and talking about victory. But see, those guys, they, they don't know anything about a real fight. This is where the battle is. And I think it's so important. Go back there to the book of John. John chapter 4 and verse 34. John 4, verse 34. And verse 34, you just notice that he made the statement, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. When they heard that, they thought that he had been given something to eat. But this is what satisfied the Lord Jesus Christ, having me to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was involved in the work of the Lord. I said this before, and I didn't originate it. I heard it from somebody, so I copied it. God only had one son, and he was a missionary. And then I also mentioned that down here where he says in verse 36, And he that reapeth receiveth wages. In other words, God will pay people to be soul winners. 
I wish I had the money, literal physical money, that I could just pay people to win souls. That's all you had to do was just win souls. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that's all you did. You just paid to win souls. Wouldn't that be neat? You could just be a soul winner. Just, that's all you did. Wouldn't that be great? God says he'll pay soul winners. I think we need to know that. Know the will of God. Uh, look at the next one. Look in chapter 5. Chapter 5 and verse 30. Chapter 5 and verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. Is there a verse that says anywhere, you know, without Christ I can do nothing? There's something like that in the Bible, isn't there? Without Him I can do nothing. But look what else he says. Uh, my judgment is judged because, get this, because. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. That's Jesus saying that. I am seeking the will of my heavenly Father. Now that's dedication. Just think what Jesus could have had. I mean, if he wanted a vacation, he could have took a vacation. Anywhere in the world, couldn't he? If he wanted to stay, and they didn't even have him back then, a five-star hotel. He could have stayed in Hawaii if he wanted to. He just said, there's a hotel. Stay there. He could have had a sauna, a hot tub, all the things that you wanted. Go swimming every day. He could have had a good tan. And when it comes to automobiles, just think what he could have had. He could have had any car he wanted. He could have had all the cars he wanted. Spaceships, he could have had it. Jesus could have had everything. And then he walks everywhere. He walked everywhere. And yet, did he know the future? Did he know that down the road what people were going to invent, come up with? And uh, yet he just liked them. That's why it says that he tabernacled among them. He tabernacled. It means he lived among them. And it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, or he tabernacled. He lived among them. So anyway, I, I love this verse. I seek not mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of John chapter 18. John chapter 18. There's another good little verse in here. Getting toward the end of his ministry. So he begins his ministry wanting to do the will of God. And then he does the will of God. And then when it's all over, he says, I did the will of God. It is finished. It is finished. So in John chapter 18, look there in verse 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? This cup, no doubt, could have been the cross, the suffering, whatever he has to go through. But whatever it was, he says, it is the will of God. This cup contained the will of God. Shall I not drink it? Shall I not do the will of God? Now, in your Christian life, do you think there's a possibility that God may give you a cup to drink? And maybe you don't like what's in the cup, but you're going to have to swallow it. You're going to have to drink it. And some things you're not going to like in the Christian life. But not everything you do. But he still says it is the will of the Father. That he goes to the cross, dies for the sins of the world. And he's willing to do that. And here you and I are. Are you willing to die for the Lord? Now, let me just kind of say a word about the um, situation that's gone on a little bit in the world. You know, 
Because sometimes I kind of wonder, where's all this stuff leading to? I, I remember a couple months back where they had made some statements, the uh, Muslims, we are going to take Europe. We're going to take Europe. And he warned them in Italy, we're coming. And it was on the news. We're coming. So what's going on today is simply nothing more than, to me, an invasion of Muslims moving into Europe. And they're welcoming them with open arms. And I had a few questions about that. Maybe it's okay to let the women and the children in, but I would not let those men in. And the reason is because I believe that's simply an infiltration into Europe and if they're Muslim, they got one goal in life, and that is to destroy. And it's like a Trojan horse that's coming into the city, and they're welcoming them, and they think this is because of humanitarian needs. Well, what about all those Muslim countries? Why can't they let them into their countries? Because they don't want them in their countries. They are like sending an army of 800 and something thousand into Europe. You couldn't ask for a better way for them to get into Europe than what they're doing. I would take all those men, and most of them are young men, 25 and under. Why don't they just give them a gun and send them back, and you'd have a half a million man army? And what, can't they take over? Do what they can do? Instead of leaving, and some of them, they said the men were coming and leaving their wives and children. Now, doesn't that make sense? We're fleeing persecution. They're killing us there. Honey, I'll be back for you later. What a bunch of heroes. I don't like what I see. And now, even in America, we have to show how compassionate we are. And we just open up our, we're talking about building a border and then let them come in by the <laughs> swarming in. Something's wrong with this picture. But um, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. I just thought I'd put another insert in there. Look at number two. Number two. Things the will of God will do for you. There's things that if you do the will of God, it will do for you. Look in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. This is on page 1309, 1309. If you want to have true meaning to your life, well, then you are looking for the will of God for your life. So where do you find the will of God? In the Word of God. So the more you read and study it, you'll find all kinds of things. All you have to do is just start obeying what you already know to be true. In other words, if you were to sit down and make a list of all the things you know that's right to do and start doing it, it becomes a path of righteousness. And then you're on the right path. Just start doing all the right you know to do. But why should God give you more light when you don't walk according to the light you already have? See, it won't work. You have to obey light to get more light. In other words, if I was going to cross a river and there's all these stones in there, well, if I get on this stone, well, then I can get on the next stone. And if I get on that stone, well, then I can reach that stone. And so there's scriptures that God puts as we walk through life. 
getting us from one side to the other side. But you see, if I reject that stone, that truth, well, then I don't need that other one. And if I reject that, I don't need that one. And see, a lot of people are in darkness and they don't know where they're going because, see, when you start disobeying truth that you already know, then why should God give you more truth? Sometimes I have people come and see me and they say, Yankee, I've got this problem and I just need some help. And I say, well, what do you already know? No, tell me they know this and this and this. Are you doing that? Well, no, no. Then I can't help you. I can't help you. If you won't do what you already know to do, then I can't help you giving you more stuff. I said, you start obeying the truth you already know, and then God will let you see and understand, and he can guide you. It's a lot easier to guide, to steer a car that's moving than one that's sitting still. Why should God guide the car when it's not moving? It's when you start obeying and start moving, then God can guide you, and it'll work that way. But look here in verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. The old American way, capitalism. Wherefore ye know not what shall be on the morrow. But what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. You realize how short life is. You know, I woke up one morning and I looked in the mirror and I saw an old man. I said, you're 73 years old. And I thought, man, alive in seven years, I'll be 80 years old. Now, I used to think 50 was old until I got 49. And then 50 wasn't that old. John, 50 is old. How close are you, John? Way away. <laughs> and then I thought 60 was old until I hit 59. And then the same thing with 69. But, you know, it happened so quick. It seemed like I walked, we have a, a training them, uh, Betty put up some pictures in our hallway. And I go by there and I have this one young picture of me. I mean, I must have been about 30 years old. And I had black curly hair. And I looked at that and I thought, I go in there and look in the mirror. Go back and look at that picture. Go back and look in the mirror. It ain't the same guy. I made a mistake one day with some lady that came here the first time and she walks into the bookstore and, and she had my book in her hand. And I thought, that's pretty neat. She looked at me and she said, who is this? I says, that's me. She said, no, I mean, really. She came and sat down in the church service, and I pointed it out. You might remember that. Yes, a few of y'all remember that. Some of y'all like to forget something. She was sitting right there. She laughed. She thought it was fun. That hasn't been back, though, but um, <laughs> you don't live long. Life is like a vapor. Appear for a little while and then vanishes away. So while we're here for such a short time, doesn't it make sense just to go ahead and serve the Lord? Don't argue with God. Don't fight with God. That's why when I tell kids to come to college, don't, don't fight with I don't want to fight with nobody. This is where we are. This is what we do. You like what we have, fine. If you don't, there's another school that'll let you do whatever they want to do. But this is where we are. This is what we're about. People that come to church here, this is what we do. This is how we are. And we want people to like us. But it's whenever you get to the place where, you know, everybody wants to try to change everybody. 
Let, let God change people. You ever heard that statement, you know, when he comes to catching fish? We catch them and God cleans them. I catch them. I can't clean fish. I eat fish, but I don't like, it's one of the reasons I don't like to catch them because I don't like to clean them. I despise cleaning fish. How many of y'all love cleaning fish? There's a few of you that love cleaning fish. So if y'all catch any fish, you can bring them to them and they'll clean them for you. But uh, I don't mind catching them. I, I love catching them. But notice what it says here in verse 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Lord willing, Lord willing, by the grace of God, by the grace of God. Because we don't know if God's going to take us home today or all the plans that we make may never be come to fruition. We may be cut short. We have no clue. But look at the next statement there. It will bring enlightenment to your mind. And look there in the book of Psalms. Look back there in Psalms 25. Psalms chapter 25. Psalms 25. And look in verse 14. Because it will bring enlightenment to your mind. You'll be able to understand some things that you wouldn't have understood if it hadn't been for what the Lord has for you. And so here in verse 14, but let's just start in verse 12, because these two verses ahead of this is really good. Verse 12, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. In other words, as you're serving the Lord and as you are in the way, doing the will of God, God will lead and guide you and he will teach you. You see, it's the hard hearted. It's the rebellion. And think. Not that that man shall receive anything of the Lord, according to James chapter 1. So if you'll do that, you'll be surprised. Now look in verse 13. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant, or show him his word. If you will do what God wants you to do, God can reveal his will to you. A lot of people want God to show them His will so they can look it over and see whether or not they approve and want to make any amendments to it. Now God says, you go ahead and commit yourself. You desire my will. You do what I want you to do. And God says, I will lead you as you go. I will teach you. You see, that means you're willing to trust the Lord to reveal, to lead, to guide you. But not so that you can, you know, decide as you go, Lord, Lord, Show me everything that you want. Remember with Abraham that the Lord led him out into a land. He had no idea where he was going. And that's about the way it is in the Christian life. You don't know where you're going to end up. But you just know that you can trust him. And so you trust him. And you walk with him. And sometimes there seem like a lot of dark days and a lot of problems and heartaches. Remember, sometimes God leads you into a lot of Remember a sermon I preached not long ago? Well, four or five years ago. It was on dead ends and dry holes and detours. When he led the children of Israel out of Egypt, there was a dead end. Who led him to that dead end? God did. He led him right to a dead end. They led him right to the rich and couldn't get across. Now what are they going to do? And then Pharaoh's army is coming up behind them. Who boxed him in like that? The Lord. And then he told Moses, I'll never forget Charles and Heston standing there and says, 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You remember him saying that? Chills run up down your spine. I love it. And all of a sudden the water starts splitting open like that. Remember, they would have never seen that. They would have never been part of that story if God hadn't led them into the dead end. Because somebody says, look what he has done to us. Led us out here to die in the wilderness. And then when he got across, the first thing comes along is, hey, we, we don't have any water. It's a dry hole. No water. And then bitter water in the place. And God says, strike the rock, and water comes out of a rock. A miracle. And he says in the book of Corinthians in chapter, that rock was Christ. It's a symbol. It's a type. God was teaching them all kinds of things. So, but God led him. And God knew they were hungry at times. And God knew they were thirsty. But he led him into all that stuff. And then he says, because of the enemy in a certain place, he led him another way. Because he knew that they would be disheartened because of the enemy. And so God, wisdom, he led him another way. He led him the long way. Sort of a shortcut, he led him the long way. All because God knows what's best. So in your Christian life, you learned a lesson from reading all those Old Testament stories. Sometimes God will lead you into a boxed-in canyon, and you have no way of getting out. And so, it seems like those four walls are closing in on you. Then it looks like the Lord, and you see His hand moving for the light switch. You're going to turn off the light. <laughs> don't, 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 don't do that. And God's going to cut off the lights. And you're afraid it's going to get dark. So you don't doubt in the dark what God gave you in the light. God wants you to shine. And walk according to the truth that you learned. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. He won't fail you. But he's going to try you and he's going to test you. And so there's going to be times when it seems like it's a dry hole. Have you ever tried to do something and it seemed like you just come up empty? You know, we talked about being faithful in season, out of season. In other words, when things are productive and everything seems to be going great and it seems like there's times when it's dry spells, nothing. And it's discouraging. And you say, well, I must be out of the will of God. Well, maybe God led you right where you are and you're not out of the will of God. It's just that you don't understand. And you're to be taught patience. It means you're not getting something you want when you want it. Patience. Patience. So, anyway, we listen and learn and some people listen, never learn. Turn over there to the book of Hebrews in chapter 13. Hebrews in chapter 13. Hebrews 13. And look down there in verse 5. In verse 5. In verse 5, the Bible tells us that God will give us comfort. Doing the will of God will give you great comfort because it gives you great peace. In verse 5, let your conversation or your behavior, your manner of life, be without covetousness. Be content. It's hard to be content if you're covetous, in case you didn't know that. Be content with such things as you have. It's one thing to have what you want, another thing to want what you have. What you have, do you want it? What if you only had tomorrow what you thank the Lord for today? 
Oh, what would you have tomorrow if you only had what you thanked him for today? Would you have less tomorrow? Learn to be thankful in all things for everything because this is the will of God. Now look what he says. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What's the greatest thing you could ever go through life with? The Lord. So if you had a choice of having the Lord or a million dollars, what would you choose? It's easy preaching, ain't it? Sure you would. Would you really? Would you have the Lord or a million dollars? Which would you choose? That's tough. Or would you be able to make that decision like that? If you go through life, what would you rather have? Would you rather have that or a lot of friends? Choose the Lord over friends? Lord over wealth and popularity and fame? Because you see, all those are things you can lose. But you can't lose the Lord. He said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. So if that's the truth, then the greatest thing you could ever have is the Lord, and that's the one thing you cannot lose. So you should be happy all the days of your life, right? Because you can lose a lot of things, and we are. Eventually, one of these days, we're going to lose it all. You're going to lose that body you have. You're going to lose it. It's going to go away. You know, Peter came in the office a while ago, and he gave me a good statement. We was talking about John John's song about you know, the face of those that never witnessed or two of their friend or so. And he sung a song not long ago about when you get to heaven and you see all the faces of all those people that were reached because of your life, the influence that you had. But then he says, but you don't find where God ever wipes the tears away from the man that goes to hell. You do about the Christians that go to heaven. He said, I'll wipe away all tears from their eyes. But it doesn't say that about those that go to hell. And it's a good thought. He almost made me cry, so I'm glad he walked out of the room. (laughs) But it is so important. We are so blessed to know the Lord, to know that we have eternal life. And look what he says in verse 6. Because he'll never leave me and never forsake me. Therefore, I don't have to fear any man. Look what he says. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Uh, Why is he my helper? Because as you go through life, you need help. You're always going to need help. That's why he says, call upon me. Talk to him. And you're going to have problems and trouble. Talk to him. Where does it say in the Bible that we are to come to the throne of grace? The throne of grace, that we may obtain grace to help in time of need. I know it's in the Bible somewhere. Hebrews 4.16, who said that? Who said that? Okay, uh, Mildred said that? Good, Mildred. Look there in Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Very good, Jesse. Every once in a while, Jesse gets a good one in there. Verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to what? To help in time of need. God didn't say you weren't going to have need. 
He says, but I've got a throne set up, especially with that. It's like in um, having an escrow account. You know, when you need it, it's, it's waiting on you. And you can go get all you want. Wow. That sounds good. So the Lord teaches us this. Now look at number three there in your notes. Things the will of God wants from you. And it's very simple. We've covered parts of this before, especially in Romans in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He wants our dedication. He wants us to yield our bodies to him so he can use us for whatever he wants. God doesn't want us arguing and fighting with him. That's just a waste of time, waste of energy. And you're going to lose anyway. So you go ahead and just yield to the Lord. And then he makes a statement, let it uh, be there, your sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. That your sanctification, talking about these vessels, these bodies that we have. For this is the will of God concerning you, that your body is to be set apart for the Lord. And so the Lord teaches us that. But look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is on page 1270 in the Old Scofield Reference Bible. And you notice there's a, a verse here that says in verse 18, In everything, everything, give thanks. For this is the what? The will of God. And so it is the will of God for you and I to give thanks in Christ concerning you. This is the will of God. And then you'll see there in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has a will for us, and He wants us as His children to walk according to His will. Now, how do you do that? Look at number four, finding the will of God. Letter A, study the Word of God. Because study the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15. Anybody here can quote that verse? Who can quote? Yes, go ahead, Trent. Study to show thyself the truth of the God of work Hey, that's our first year student over here. Give him a big hand. I mean, that's... His mother would be proud of him. And I won't even tell her about them cornflakes either. Letter B. Desire to follow truth regardless of where it may lead. If you'll just serve the Lord and follow truth, don't worry about how or where it's going to end up. I, when I made up my mind years ago, I'm just going to serve the Lord, and wherever He leads, I will follow. I had no idea I'd be going to Colorado. I had no idea I'd ever wind up going to Minnesota or to Georgia. And I definitely had no idea I'd ever wind up in Florida. I had no idea. I did not plan it. I did not even desire it. But God can give you desires as you go and change you and guide you. And you'd be surprised what God may have for you down the road. And don't say, well, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. Don't you ever say that. God may wind up having you do exactly. So we said that in college, you know. I'll never go to Siberia. And then they go to Siberia. So I decided, I'll never go to Hawaii. <laughs> and I didn't. I was hoping the Lord would leave me uh, in a place like that, but it just never worked out. So here I am in Florida. Florida's almost like Hawaii, just not a 
not any mountains around here or anything like that. Sand dunes, a couple of those I saw. But look at the next one. Let her see. Seek counseling from wise men. Proverbs 24, 6. Pray all the time. Always stay dependent upon the Lord. And if you will, remember this. Praying and talking to the Lord. And if the Lord answers your prayer, and if the Lord leads and guides you, He'll never lead you into trouble. He never leads you contrary to the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is holy, not unholy. So the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something unholy or ungodly. So understand those simple little things. I come to do thy will, O God. Think for a moment. If God asked you, are you here to do my will? What would you say? I am here. What are you doing here on this earth? What are you doing in this world? What's your purpose? What's your goal? Yankee, what are you doing here? I am here to do the will of my Father. Peter, what are you here for? I'm here to do the will of my Father. Bob Gilbert, what are you here for? I'm here to do the will of my Father. And all of y'all, and all of y'all, and all of y'all. I'm here to do the will of my Father. So, the more all of us do the will of the Father, the better we'll get along. Right? Because there shouldn't be any conflict. We're all here to do the will of the Father. And there is no jealousy and envy and bitterness in the Godhead. There's unity, and there's peace. There's love, and there's joy. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me, and this wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God says that he loves us, but he hates what we do wrong. He says for us to pay for this sin is eternal separation from God in hell. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We have all sinned and come short of God's perfection. So God says, you can't save yourself. Your good works are not good. All of your good works are as filthy rags. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all of our sins, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead and said, if we would believe he did it for us, he would put that payment to our account and we'd go to heaven on what Christ did for us. A body hast thou prepared me. For what? For this reason. So that he could pay for our sins. Took our sins in his own body on the tree so that he could give us as a free gift everlasting life. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do so. So right where you're sitting, if you've never done it, would you do it right now? Just talk to the Lord. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe Christ died. I believe he paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him right now as my Savior. Friend, God said if you would, he would save you and give you eternal life. You that are watching by internet, the only thing you have to do, well, it's the only thing you can do, is to be honest and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, because nobody's perfect. And I believe that when Christ, you died, I believe you died for me paid for my sins. And I'm going to accept that payment. You are that payment. And you said you'd never leave me and never forsake me and promise me eternal life if I trust you. And friend, if you'll do just that much, it's all you have to do. Will you believe he did it for you? And if you'll believe it, he said he would save you, give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. I pray that makes sense to you and that you will. Our Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to read, study your word, and Father, help us day by day, little by little, as we walk with you.
trusting you to lead and to guide us because of the study of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.